0: What do I know?
1: Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick brought to you by Empire Sports
0: Media. We are your host Spen? Spen. No, you're Nick. Sorry, I always get confused when I'm looking at you in the Zoom because I think it's a mirror. Yeah, we
1: look nothing alike. Anyways, boy, oh boy, did we have ourselves a basketball game against those pesky New York Knickerbockers tonight, Nick?
0: Yeah, they're pretty pesky, but we won. So F you, Ray Cooper. I find it
1: very weird that your name is Nick, but you're a Nets fan. Do you find that funny?
0: No, Nick's a pretty common name, and Annette is not, so it doesn't really make any sense whatsoever.
1: Actually, Annette is a common name for women. Annette Benning. Name another one. That's the only one I know. Um, All right, Nick, final score, 114-112. This was the tale of two different halves. In the in the first half, the Knicks dominated. They scored 34 and 33 to the Nets, 31 and 26. They were just a more physical team. They were getting anything they wanted on offense. Uh, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, and Reggie Bullock, those three guys had great games for the Knicks, respectively. Barrett with 22, Bullock with 21, Randle with 19, 15, and 12, a triple-double for him. But in the in the second half, and by the way, Kyrie Irvin, let, let's just stop for a second. There is nothing he can't do on the basketball court in terms of scoring. I mean, you want to talk about all three levels, three-point shooting, mid-range, at the rim. Kyrie is a wizard on the basketball court.
0: 40 no, he's, a, he's actually he's on the nets, not the wizards.
1: That, now you're getting it. 40 points for Kyrie, 15 of 28 from the field five of 12 from three and five of five from the line. He also chipped in seven assists. He needed to do everything he could in this one, Nick, because the Nets lost James Harden very early in this game. His hamstring tightened up. It did not feel right. So Nash pulled him immediately. Are you slightly concerned moving forward, knowing that two of our three superstars have hamstring issues?
0: No, honestly, Harden looked okay. I think it was very precautionary, and it was a mature veteran move and selfless move for him to take himself out of the ball game that early on. Uh, Something tweaked up, and and Richard Jefferson was saying during the game, a trainer of the Nets had slight, slight concern that he wasn't 100%. There you have it. He wasn't 100%. He went out anyway. I think he'll be okay. Maybe he'll have to take another game off. But when you re-aggravate something like this, he didn't tear it. Uh, he, he probably strained it in a sense that he's going to have to do a couple days of rest, put some more work in, you know, maybe take an extra game or two just to be safe. But I think he will be OK in the long run. I can't speak for Kevin Durant. I know nothing of Kevin Durant. I, was he even on the bench? I don't think he was, but we'll get to
1: Durant. Keep Durant in your head. We're going to talk about him in a little bit. Let's stick with this game. Like I said, the second half was extremely different for the Nets. They outscored the Knicks thirty-two to twenty-one in the third, and then twenty-five to twenty-four in the fourth. So that third quarter was a whirlwind. We saw Elise Johnson come in. He had 12, Alizé. Alizé, I apologize. Alize Johnson had twelve points and seven rebounds in seventeen minutes of action. He was a plus eleven when he was on the
0: court. He yeah, he's super confident, dude. I, very I, confident. I, I like when the ball gets in his hands because he's smart. He, he knows his game. He doesn't overplay. He doesn't try to do anything out of his element. He dishes the ball off when he doesn't have a, a one or two step to the hoop. And when he has a one on one matchup with someone slightly shorter or less athletic, he goes over the top and he, and he gets a layup or he backs him down a little bit. I like him a lot. And I think he does have long term potential. Yeah, there was a moment in
1: that basketball game where the Nets seemed helpless. I mean, this was when Kyrie was out. Jeff Green had missed a few shots, although he was phenomenal tonight. 23 points for Jeff Green and the game-winning free throws. But there was a moment where the Nets couldn't get anything going. And then in comes Alizé, and he gets a few buckets to go. And then all of a sudden, the energy is back. Uh, what you saw in that second half, Nick, that the energy for the Nets just started coming and coming. And, and they just started draining the Knicks Uh, of their energy it was almost like an energy switcheroo Chris Chayoza came in some really good minutes for the Nets he was a plus 12 in this one the numbers aren't there uh he had two points two assists and three rebounds but a lot of smart plays push the pace on offense uh Joe Harris chipped in 16 he was 7 of 11 from the field which makes sense because half the time
0: this guy's open 24 7 7 11 yeah I don't know what you're saying half the time 75 percent of the time anyway uh Honestly, dude, the Knicks are Julius Randle, sometimes R.J. Barrett, and occasionally uh, a random third party like a D-Row steps up. Reggie or Bullock. Or in this case, Reggie Bullock. And it's yeah, Bullock. today I said Bullock. It's Bullock. Okay, so what I saw today was Julius Randle literally doing everything he could to will this team to victory, putting the team on his back. He's a freak. He is an unbelievable elite athlete. I mean, I Knicks are lucky to have Julius Randle on their team. Reggie Bullock stepped up today and and hit more shots than he probably ever has in his life uh, since his UNC days. So I'm still, you know, this Knicks team is weird, dude, because you're wondering why D-Rose isn't getting more time on the bench. You're wondering why Alfred Payton is getting a bunch of minutes and Nerlens Noel. Nerlens Noel has never been good in the NBA. So this Knicks team, random people step up like someone hits a shot here and there and they somehow take the lead Julius Randall's the one who's carrying him to the finish line Aldridge was in foul trouble so as soon as he came out you also have Griffin out uh and DeAndre out so obviously Randall had a field day with Jeff Green guarding him at certain points and then of course like a Nick Claxton who can't handle Randall's size so it was a weird game Harden left early if Harden stayed I think we would have blown him out uh, 15 and 20 by half it would have been over so we held, we stuck around. Thank God for people stepping up. TLC, again, Spen, we keep shitting on TLC every he, single he game. Played,
1: he played very well today. He was a plus one. He had nine points on the night. Did you love when he got in Randall's face and they were jabbing at each other? And and I liked that.
0: You know what I liked even more? Nick Claxton gave, gave like a little shovel forward bounce pass to uh, to Luau Kebero leading him around the perimeter in rhythm, who hit the three. So that was like a Claxton to Cabarro. You're not going to hear that combination often this season, but it worked and we stepped up and it was a good win.
1: Liked TLC getting in Randall's face. I enjoyed that. And then we get to the end of the game. I mean, it's always interesting down to the wire when we're talking about the Brooklyn Nets. So the Nets are up three points. They have the ball with about 37 seconds left. Kyrie Irvin turns it over. The Knicks get the ball back. Alec Burks, who was pretty quiet on the night, he hits a go-ahead three to tie the game. So it's not technically the go-ahead three, but he hits the three tie ball game. Nets get it. The Knicks were doubling Kyrie all night. The ball finds its way into Joe Harris's hands. He misses the jumper and Jeff Green grabs the board and draws the foul, hits the game-winning free throws. Nick, I, in my opinion, and I think I tweeted this, Jeff Green has been our most valuable big man
0: this season. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. Uh, I When Jeff Green shoots the ball, I am 100% calm and collected. When the ball is in Jeff Green's hands and he is patient under the rim, he pump fakes, he knows his game. He's at an age, what is he, 35 or 34? He's not going to body anyone. He's not going to back someone down and do a spin a He's patient with the ball. He's got a good touch. He's, re- he's old, reliable.
1: Yeah, no, he, he was awesome tonight. I brought up uh, Randall's triple-double earlier, but the stats that stick out, 0-4 from three-point land, and he missed the game-tying jumper at the end of the game. I got some texts from some Knicks fans arguing, oh, the Knicks don't get calls. That wasn't a foul. You know what? In that in that last game we played where you guys got gypped on the Randall call, I would have bought it, that it was the refs and, and they had something to do with the win. But this game... The Knicks got the majority of the calls for the most of the game and Randall had a chance to tie it and he missed the shot. I don't want to hear Dick about the refs getting involved. Julius Randall missed a shot to send the game into overtime. I am 100% not feeling bad about this loss. And we didn't have James Harden or Kevin Durant or Blake Griffin or Landry Shamit or Tyler Johnson.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Good win. I just want to give everybody an update on the standings that puts us back a half a game ahead of the Philadelphia 76ers for first place in the East. This is the first time on the podcast that we were saying we are first place in the East, 35 and 16. Again, half a game above the 76ers. We are 21 and six at home, 14 and 10 on the road, seven and three in the last 10 games.
1: All right, Nick, thank you for that standings update real quick. Before we move on from the Knicks game, Bruce Brown was a minus 20 in this game.
0: That's that's an anomaly. Let's forget that.
1: Okay, moving on. So is Kevin Durant almost back? Apparently, it seems that KD may play this week. Nash thinks that that we should expect Kevin Durant to to play in one of the Nets games this week, but he said he wouldn't be surprised if it takes a little bit longer and he doesn't play this week. So let's not try to speculate. (laughs) Let's not try to speculate when Kevin's going to play. But Nick, what are you most excited to see upon Kevin Durant's return?
0: Now, I I say this not literally, but uh, uh, figuratively, I almost feel like we forgot Kevin Durant was on the team. That's how good we've been without him. That's how unbelievably our players have stepped up from Claxton to Bruce Brown to uh, Joe Harris, Kyrie and Harden in the backcourt have been guiding this team to the number one seed in the East over the 76ers who are a powerhouse right now. Now I know a lot of haters out there are always going to say the 76ers are a hoax. They're going to crush it in the regular season. They have a great team this year. The addition of Seth Curry was huge for them. The addition of doc rivers as a coach, no offense to Brett Brown is huge for them. So they're dangerous. And the fact that we are toppling them and beating them to first place without our best player, is absurd it is unfair when kevin durant gets back because who's taken a back seat in that starting lineup you know tonight it would have been jeff green or it would have been bruce brown if we're going small so kevin durant plugged in with kyrie harden lamarcus and joe harris you know i can't wait to see it but i'm still confident in this team without him so it's a win-win for us we're doing just as good without him we'll do even better when he's on the court
1: there's a few guys on this team that durant hasn't been able to play with yet right Blake Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge. I'm very excited to see how his skill set fits in with theirs. Everyone's obviously excited to watch KD score the ball. I'm excited to watch him pass the ball. KD's one of the more underrated passers in this league, but he knows how to pass, and he's pretty good at finding the open guy. Him with Joe Harris and Kyrie, the three of those guys doing their thing from the perimeter. You got LMA, Blake Griffin, Claxton doing their thing down low. You have Bruce Brown running Rover. It's going to be a very fun team to watch when he's back. Obviously, when Harden and Shamit and Tyler Johnson come back healthy as well. All right, Nick. Sticking with this Kevin Durant narrative, did you read or see anything about the Kevin Durant versus Michael Rappaport Instagram direct message feud?
0: I did. Uh, Kevin Durant, if it's all true and accurate, which it seems like it is because he apologized, just said some really raunchy, fucked up things that if you are a player, uh, if you're a celebrity of his status, and have the following and the spotlight that he does. You just don't say. Dropping like C-bombs and homophobic slurs and all these things that are just kind of disgusting and rancid and uncomfortable to read. It's just stupid and and immature on his part now. Do I love Kevin Durant the player? Yes. Does Kevin Durant the human being sometimes- uh, Need to grow up? get attention and, and get press for doing things like creating burner accounts bit, or sure. getting in a fight with Michael Rappaport over Twitter and like telling him that his his wife hates him and is disgusting and, and this and that and the other. So yeah, it was really dumb, um, but he owned up to it. So I, that's really all I got to say on the matter. I'll end him the day too. Rappaport's a prank well, well, So yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So so Rappaport started this, right? Rappaport was jawing at KD forever. KD came back at him pretty much the wrong way you should go back at someone talking trash on Instagram direct message as you said the messages were offensive they were foul whatever but Rappaport is the undisputed king of shit talk in his opinion this is the same guy who left Barstool because he got in a fight with Portnoy and then sued Barstool because Barstool made made fun of him uh I'm not going to talk about you know the specifics because I don't know the legalities of everything but it was a messy breakup but just looking at everything that's happened from my perspective and, and I guess the public perspective, Rappaport seems like a scumbag. And you know, he he's went kind out, of a,
0: he's kind of a bitch boy. He like, he like throws a punch and then as soon as you throw a punch back, like wraps you out. So it was just lame.
1: He then leaks the, the direct messages with Kevin Durant. Everyone starts going at KD as they rightfully should. There was nobody who was right. In this little feud, they were both wrong. I think Rappaport's a little bit of a rat, and I think KD has some growing up to do. What made it worse was Rappaport goes on first take today, which, if the listeners are listening, was yesterday, and he's crying to Skip Bayless. And it's not first take. What's the show called with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp?
0: a uh, shitty show that I don't watch. Yeah,
1: it's on Fox Sports. It's not First Take. But anyway, he goes on the show, he's pretty much crying. He's he tells his story how he went to the the coffee shop and the, you know the o- the owner of the coffee shop called him cupcake and said I'm not serving you today. I don't know, it was this bizarre like trying to make people feel bad for him. I don't feel bad for the guy. I'm sorry. You go to sleep. You still got a million dollars. Don't shit talk a professional athlete. Don't shit talk anybody and then get all upset about it when everyone calls you out for being a rat and because you leaked the shit talk. It's just the whole thing's over my head. It's stupid. Uh, you know, I, I know you and I have gotten in arguments with people, but at the end of the day, whatever is said between two people, unless it, it literally was that bad. And, you know, if Rappaport really had a problem with Kevin Durant, he could have went to the police. You understand what I'm saying? But well, what did he do, Nick? He went to the media. He went public with it. All right. If you threaten me over something, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go to the police. So both are wrong. Rappaport's a snake. KD probably won't make this mistake again. Let's move
0: on. And the last thing I'll say before we move on is Rappaport did release a statement on Instagram saying, I feel bad about it. I feel bad about my involvement. I feel bad that it's gotten this far. I met him one time. It was cool, cordial. I'm a fan. I met him as a fan. So Rappaport's just like this weird drama queen, manic, flipping personality. So yeah, let's just, we, we can move on. I know you want to move on. But I, this is the Nets podcast, so we're still Team Durant.
1: Having said everything we've said, Michael Rappaport, if you'd like to be in one of Nick's movies, he might have a part for you. Might. As Negative. A, okay. I got we'll, a part for Durant. moving on nick we talked about how dynamic jeff green has been for this nets front court so i thought it'd be kind of a fun segment for you and i to rank all five members of the nets front court now this doesn't include Alize johnson who's on a 10-day contract this will not include kevin durant because arguably he's the best player on the team the five players i'm referring to are blake griffin jeff green lamarcus aldridge nick claxton and deandre jordan So when you are ready, we are going to rank them.
0: Well, are you saying rank them in order of who's done the best this season? Or who do I think is going to be the the best going forward? Because if you're going best this season, it's been Jeff Green. Who you think going forward
1: will be the best, one to five. So I'm going to go first. I'll go first. I'll let you think a little bit because I know you're unprepared. My top five is Jeff Green, number one. He is so dynamic. He can get you the game-winning free throws were off a Jeff Green rebound. He can hit the 3, he can slam dunk it with the best of them. He's dynamic in the post. He is my number 1 player. That's the most important guy on in this front court. Number 2, I'm going to go with LaMarcus Aldridge. Offensively, he brings a dynamic to this team that isn't rivaled by anyone. His post game is elite, his mid-range is elite, and he's not bad on defense. Number 3, I'm going to go with Mr. Hustle, Blake Griffin. Every time Griffin has been out on the court for the Nets, he's dove on the floor to get a ball. He's gotten a hard rebound. He's made an acrobatic layup. He's hit a big three-pointer. This guy and Bruce Brown must look look at each other and say, oh shit, I'm looking in the mirror because we're both Mr. Hustle. Number four, Nick Claxton. He's regressed a little bit these past few games. I don't know if you've seen it. I've seen it. A little bit of growing pains. He's not as confident with his offense. He's hesitating a little bit. I think that as you see Blake and LaMarcus start to really thrive, you're going to see Claxton's minutes diminish a little bit. And then at the end, number five, we got my guy, DeAndre Jordan. Uh, bank accounts soaring through the air like DeAndre Jordan. Shout out, Riff Raff. Uh, so those are my five. One, Jeff Green. Two, LaMarcus Aldridge. Three, Blake Griffin. Four, Nick Claxton. Five, DeAndre Jordan.
0: Uh, I'll agree with everything except I'm going to switch LaMarcus Aldridge and Jeff Green. I'm going to put LaMarcus at the number one, Jeff Green at the two. It's LaMarcus Aldridge, man. I I mean, this guy is multi-multi-multi-faceted big man. He has a great mid-range game. He's patient. He's a good passer. He's a smart player. He's the elite big man. Yes, a little bit out of his prime, as we spoke about last episode. But he's still the best big man on the team in terms of talent and experience. And I'm going to go with LaMarcus Aldridge because we got him for the very reason to fill the gap that we were missing. And that's a threat down low. And it's going to take him a couple more games to kind of lube up into this position. It's going to take him lube a couple up? More. My like, goodness. you know, like, you know, he's like, a, he's like a rusty tire. You gotta, you gotta throw some lube on it. So he kind of um, gets a little more flexible. And yeah, and, and, he's a
1: rusty tire. That's all no, right. right. That's a good comparison.
0: <laughs> Thank you. But I think Lamarcus Aldridge is going to be a bigger piece of the puzzle. Whereas as much as I love Jeff Green and he's by far the number one on your list thus far, Uh, We're bringing in players like Blake Griffin and like LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, and he will have to take a hit in his minutes because these players are more elite and these players will provide more value come playoff time.
1: Well, I don't think either of those three guys are elite at this stage in their career, but I understand what you're saying. I said more elite. Right. Also, back to your lubrication comment. I'm just hoping that Harden and Durant can lube up their hamstrings because we're going to need them down the stretch, Nick.
0: Yeah, and I'm gonna need some lube just in general.
1: All right. Now, this segment, we're gonna we're gonna get a little bit real. And and I'm not even kidding here. This is this is called How Fucking Terrified Would You Be? So, not even pertaining to the Brooklyn Nets, but the Utah Jazz uh were on a plane, they were flying to their their opponent city, and the plane hit a flock of birds. They the pilot had to kind of return. They went back to Salt Lake, but there was a moment there for about they said 15 to 20 minutes when a lot of players on the team thought that their lives were going to end. And it got really deep. A lot of them texted their loved ones. Donovan Mitchell was so scared. He didn't want to get on a plane again after that experience. Uh, Luckily he was able to kind of overcome his fears. He got on the plane to go with the team to Dallas last night, but I mean, that's fucking terrifying. Nick, these guys, 20% of their job is flying across the country to play a child's game. And all of a sudden, you have this moment where you think your life might end on a plane going to your job. That's got to be one of the worst experiences of anybody's life. And my question to you is, how scared would you be? I just
0: realized that's why Donovan Mitchell had an awful game tonight and I lost my parlay. I literally, all I needed in a seven-leg parlay to win $1,600 on a $10 bet were the Jazz to cover the over. And they shot one of the worst field goal percentages they've shot all season and lost to the Mavericks without Porzingis. And I fucking forgot about the stupid plane ride. You you, they were, you shallow asshole. They I'm, were talking so to you, I'm
1: talking to you about guys oh. who thought that their lives were over. And you're
0: talking to me about missing a seven-leg parlay. Listen, all right, here's what I'll say about the the stupid plane ride. I was terrified of flying as a kid, okay? I hated getting on planes. It was so scary, the thought of the plane going down. Then you get older, right? And now I'm 26 years old and I get on a plane. I don't have a care in the world. Did I get less scared of a plane ride? Did I I have less fear? Not really. It's just that if the plane went down at this point, I don't know, man, I've kind of lived some good years. Who really gives a shit? So if the plane went down, they've made a couple million dollars. They had sex with beautiful women. You live and you learn and you live and let die as Paul McCartney said at the end of Shrek. So yes, it's scary. This is life. What's more impending and honestly just more bothersome was that I overlooked the fact that they were rattled after the plane crash and should have taken the under. Few things here.
1: One, you're a terrible gambler. I've told you that numerous times off the podcast. You need to stop gambling because you lose all your money. Two, I know you're just taking your frustration out on losing this bet on the Utah Jazz, but you fucking moron, these are grown men with families. So please retract your last six statements you made about this. And number three, have a little bit more empathy because you've been on planes as a kid. You've been slightly scared. Nothing happened. They literally had a thing of birds a flock of birdies go into the engine and they thought the plane was going down so until you've been in some type of experience like that shut the f up leave the utah jazz alone leave donnie mitchell alone and let's get on to the rest of these nets games that they played this last week is that okay with you
0: nick five for 22 from the field mitchell step it up that's all i'm gonna say
1: jesus christ you are one shallow son of a bitch all right, Nick, let's move on. As you know, in our unorthodox way, we're going to start with the game from the beginning of last week. So on 331, the Nets played the Rockets, and they beat the Rockets 120-108. to This was a fun one. The Nets were down most of the game. They were able to come back late. Harden was terrific in this one. This was actually the last time I saw Claxton have a
0: really good game
1: uh, what did you think of the Nets in this one, Nick?
0: Uh, it, was a, it was a hardened revenge game. Not even really vengeful at all because the Rockets are absolutely pitiful. They're now 13-34. and 34. Uh, as of today, and have no shot whatsoever at the playoffs. They're now in a complete rebuild. Their starting lineup is Jay Sean Tate, Dan House, Christian Woods, Sterling Brown, and Kevin Porter. My roommates hadn't heard of one of those guys in the starting lineup. So, went into this game with little expectation. Rockets came out firing. We came out lagging. I think they went up a quick 13 at the end of the first quarter. When it's a halftime, down 11. And then from there on, we actually turned on the Jets. You know, the Danwell House and the Kevin Porter, who were hot in the first and second quarter, realized they were below average players and kind of lost their flair. And we kind of just stepped up. Harris with 28, Irving with 31, Harden 17. Blake Griffin had a solid game with 11. And some big-time plays, some dunks, some blocks. And like you said, Claxton with a nice 12-8. and So, again, a game you expect to win, a a game in the first half that you didn't really know what you were watching. And then we turned on the Jets when we needed to Uh, 19 of 19 from the free throw line for the Nets, 100%. So that's something to to be proud of overall losing to the Rockets would have been a much worse loss than beating the Rockets is a good win. It's an expected win. Um, Nothing crazy here, but like you said, Claxton stepped up and some good stuff from Griffin as well.
1: Outscored the Rockets 34 to 21 in the fourth quarter. Like you said, Claxton, he was a plus 19 on that night griffin was a plus 23 joe harris plus 16 and kyrie plus 16 so those guys were phenomenal this was the game where Harden went out with with the tight hamstring so he only played 27 minutes he was a minus 10 but 17 points eight rebounds six assists in those 27 minutes uh like you said a game you should win the rockets aren't that good they started hot we move on so the next game was on April 1st against the Hornets. This was the second game of a back-to-back. This was, Nick, LaMarcus Aldridge's debut in this dominating win over the Hornets, 111-89. to And let me just say that LMAO was in full effect against the Hornets, Nick.
0: One rebound away from a double-double in his debut, finished with 11-9-6. and Just looked like a solid big man. Knew where to be on the court. He, like I said, he's a he's a veteran, man. Like, you could put him on the court with anybody, and he'll get to his spot. His rotations are well executed. He's always coming off the screen at the right time. He's spacing the floor naturally. He gets the ball. He gets isolated, and he hits a little hook or a little baby jumper. He knows how to play the game basketball. He's just as reliable, if not more, as Jeff Green has been for us. So excited to see him improve as the season goes on. Uh, this was a blowout win um, but what you'll see in this game and the Rockets game, yes, we played the Rockets and the Hornets. Yes, yes, we won both uh, pretty handedly against some poor teams. But look at the spread of points. I'm looking down, you know, our, our eight players who played the most, all were practically in double digits. Joe Harris was the only one with nine points. But Green 21, Aldridge 11, Irving 15, Brown 14, Johnson 15, Shamit 17. That is just a well-spread offensive performance we shot 48 from the field compared to the hornets 35 just outplayed them really on all fronts um you know, out assisted them 34 to 22 out rebounded them 56 to 43 we were just a more dominant team i was disappointed because this hornets team does have a lot of spunk to them but you got guys like Devonte graham and rosier miles bridges malik monk who could get hot none of them did so a little bit unfortunate for the hornets they really had no fight in them but Won the game pretty handedly. Saw some good stuff from our young guys.
1: Yeah, I was super impressed with, like you said, um, the variety of guys who scored in double figures. One, two, three, four, five, se- seven guys were in double figures. Aldridge with 11 and nine was phenomenal. He was a plus 22. Bruce Brown was a plus 28 on the night. I mean, this game was was handled by the Nets through three quarters. They dominated. They relented a little bit in the fourth, uh, but not much to say. I mean, the Hornets are a much different team without LaMelo Ball. And the Nets have been lucky the two times that they've played the Hornets this year, they didn't have ball in, and one of the games they lost. So kudos to the Nets. They did what they had to do. We move on to the one disappointment of the week. It was a loss against the Chicago Bulls on April 4th. We lost the game 115 to 107. No James Harden. This team just could never really get going. I mean, we had our opportunities. But the duo of Vucevic and Zach Levine, those two guys can play. And we've seen Vucevic when he was with Orlando. We now got him against Chicago. We did not have an answer for either of those guys. Nash decided to experiment a little bit. He went very small in the second half. So we saw a lot of Jeff Green at the five, not a lot of Blake Griffin, not a lot of LaMarcus Aldridge, and I mean, they the Chicago just outplayed us. They, they out-hustled us. The Nets were sloppy with the ball. Not the prettiest game from Kyrie Irvin, although I believe he was the leading scorer in that game. What did you think? Yeah, Kyrie had 24, by the way.
0: Uh, Vooch is nasty, bro. I, I've been shitting on the Magic for years. Get that man out of there. He goes to a team that's not that much better than the Magic, but they have a much better player in Zach Levine than... You know, Terrence Ross, Jonathan Isaac, and Evan Fournier. I would say Zach Zach Levine was an all-star this year. He's coming into his prime. Match him up with one of the best best big men in the league with Vucevic, Surround him with some veterans like Thaddeus Young. Uh, you got young guys like Laurie Markham and Denzel Valentine who get minutes off the bench or are decent. So I liked what I saw from this Bulls team, honestly. It was, it was a good uh pickup, good uh free agency and trade acquisitions for the Bulls. They played this very smartly. This was just a game where they were on. I think they gained from confidence from those new players on their team. They bounced well off of each other and the ball went in. They shot 55% compared to our uh, 48%, not that much better. The number here, the stat here that everyone needs to know about is the Bulls shot 30 free throws. We shot seven. So what does that say about is that a lack of defense down low for us? Are they out? Are, are we, Are we? Uh, is one of our kryptonites big men, right? You have a guy like Vooch, Daniel Tice, who are bigger, more solid fives than Blake Griffin, even LaMarcus Aldridge, who's a little softer down low. So that could be a lack of aggression. It could be a lack of driving. It could be hardened on the bench, wasn't creating, wasn't drawing like we need him to. Um, but that's the number one thing to keep in mind there. When you get 4X'd on the free throw line, it's going to be really tough to win the game.
1: Vuzovic had 22 and 13 rebounds. Zach Levine had 25 points and 5 assists. He was 8 of 17 from the field. The Nets always do this thing, Nick, where they allow these mediocre point guards to have pretty good games. The other night when we played the Timberwolves, you saw it with Ricky Rubio. Thomas Sadoransky, who... If I asked you to pick him out of of a lineup of six, six, seven guys, you probably couldn't do it. He was eight of 10 from the field. He had 19 points, 11 assists, and he destroyed Kyrie Irving. For some reason, Kyrie couldn't cover Thomas Sadransky to save his life. So that was tough to watch. Patrick Williams, the rookie for Chicago, he had 11 points. He was good. And Thaddeus Young, the veteran, had 12. Um, Along with Kyrie's 24, he had 15 assists, but he was 12 of 27 from the field, 0 of 4 from three. Just not a great game, efficient wise from Kyrie, and Nets just didn't have it, man. It was just one of those games. You, you know, you, you take it. You you won the back to back with you know against Houston and Charlotte. You knew you were playing the Knicks the very next night. I'm not saying that they lost this on purpose. 115 107.
0: It was a trap game. I agree. I agree. And and props to Levine and Vooch. Um, glad that they they're a franchise that has some sort of upside potential. Now. All
1: right, Nick, before we end this podcast, obviously I don't want to end it talking about Annette's loss. So why don't you and I talk about something that we're just really happy about in our lives right now. So I'll let you start. Give me one thing that's happening in the month of April that you're super, super happy about.
0: That's a stupid segment. I'm um, uh, getting a vaccine on Sunday. That's awesome, man. Although I've been reading a lot of anti-vax conspiracy theories and uh, I'm questioning it. Well, you know what? I want you to do what you think is right.
1: If you think getting the vaccine is the way to go, then get the vaccine. Me personally, I've already gotten my first shot. I'm getting my second shot on Friday. Um, Both my parents have their shots. My grandma has her shot. But if you don't want your vaccine, that's totally up to you. I just think you'd be kind of a moron not to get it at this point.
0: I'm kidding. I'm not questioning it. That's all I really got, honestly. Uh, I learned how to make some cool tequila drinks. So I've been getting fucking hammered with my boys because F girls, we don't need them. Um, but besides that, all's good, man. Why don't, why don't you
1: tell that to your mother?
0: F girls, we don't need them. I yeah, mean, you... my mom isn't a girl. She's a woman. All right.
1: Well, I too have make, been making those tequila drinks the Paloma, the Spicy Margarita, the Mexican Old Fashioned, although I'm not crazy about that name. Anyway. Um, I just wanted to say that I'm very happy that I get to hang out with my brother for his birthday towards the end of April. I'm going to come out it's to in May.
0: My birthday's in May. Yeah. So that
1: does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets with Sped and Nick. You can catch us on Twitter, Instagram, at the park, at the pizza store, wherever you're looking, find us there. I'm in Jersey. He's in Brooklyn. Nick, how are we ending this one? Catch you on catch the you Fireside. On Fireside.